0: Politics without the soap opera, with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
1: And welcome back, fellow American patriots and scorned and forgotten taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house at CR Podcast, Friday, the twenty-sixth of June, and I am tired. I'm not only tired because it's Friday. And it's been a long, grueling week. So many fires to put out, so few allies to help. I'm tired because there are so many lies that are of devastating consequences to this country. Yet the Republican Party, one after another, they validate those lies. Imagine if you have an army where you're going to war and. The army that's supposed to be fighting for you turns their guns on you and starts accentuating the battlefield advantage of the other side. I mean, that, that's pretty hard to fight. The left has a massive glass jaw on almost anything they do with the virus. Think about what's going on with the virus now. You had these states opened for six to eight weeks and the cases went down, nothing happened. They went up much later right around the timing of what the protests right around the timing particularly at the border of the border surge when mexico experienced their epidemiological peak late late may into june those they can, those are not the culprit in their mind they won't hit the left on that they'll say yes it must be locked down and again it's stupid because Included in the surge is California, which did a lockdown, okay, the most severe and longest one. First of all, all these red states had a better result to begin with, even though some never did a lockdown, some did it, most did it later, and then came out of it earlier. So the fact that they never had the surge from the to begin with, even though they didn't do a lockdown, never gets talked about. So therefore, when you see it now, who says it's the lockdown? Never gets talked about. And again, look, I'm a big believer. I'm consistent. In my mind, I don't think the protests are responsible for too much. I'm consistent in my view that there is no outdoor transmission. But I will note that, I mean, to have all that organization and rioting and protesting um, so ubiquitously, you have to have a lot of transportation, some indoor meeting and uh, get togethers and who knows what else they're doing So it's a little bit hard to believe that if you believe that human input is the main player and not an epidemiological curve that is just, you know, God has a way of running this stuff that it just does what it does. But if you believe in that, that's a much bigger culprit than having 15, 20 people in a business. Remember, even in the states that opened earlier, even in the states like Nebraska and the Dakotas that never had a stay-at-home order, none of them sanctioned large gatherings, okay, to this day, um, yet these, these places had 5, 10,000 people packed. I mean, God knows what, 60,000 people at Floyd's funeral in Houston. The hackery is insane. Yet you listen to Greg Abbott and Doug Ducey, the governors of Texas and, and Arizona. They sound exactly, exactly like the left. I mean, it is the sickest thing that now everyone has to wear a diaper on their face. You have more child abuse now, and you have all these stay-at-home orders, even curfews. While to this minute, people are waltzing over the border while Tamaulipas, Mexicali, I mean, Mexicali and Tijuana were more a little bit in May. Hopefully, that's waning, but Tamaulipas under Texas is like New York, and they are literally using us for an ER. I just spoke a couple minutes ago to my border agent friend, and I said, tell me, what? We, we know LPRs and dual citizens straight up being waived in to go to the hospitals. They're coming for the express purpose of it, uh, seeking care for COVID, and they're getting it. And that's what's filling up the ICUs. We know that. Open source data, um, New York Times, Washington Post, Reuters, uh, uh, Kaiser Health News, local affiliates. At least when it was happening, now that we see the consequences and they want to pin it on a reopening. So now they're quiet about it. But we got that. We got, we got it open source. Now, that's happening, but I asked him, I said, what about a total illegal? No documentation whatsoever, and officially they're being turned around, which generally they are. What happens if an, if an illegal comes up and says, I got COVID? He said, well, we take them, we, we, we give them care. I said, oh, you mean like at the CBP facility outdoors? No, we take them to the hospital, the American hospital. So think about this. We have a travel ban, so you don't bring in COVID, except if you come with COVID, then you're brought in. I I mean, so not only are all the stealth cases where you have a hotspot where they're coming over with fake documents to work, or even real documents, and we deem them as essential, and we do not test them. If they don't have symptoms... They are not referred to CDC, and there's no automatic swabbing, no automatic temperature testing at the border. Got that confirmed even from CBP's spokesman, spokesman. It's in the article. But what I'm telling you is you have the people openly coming, and Greg Abbott won't even mention a word about that. But, yes, this is very confusing because there's a lot of things and a lot of ingredients that are true at the same time. It's true that a lot of this is an accounting gimmick where Basically, we didn't have any testing, and we didn't have anyone in the hospitals, and particularly in these states, because COVID was low, but the panic was high. So ERs were down, ORs were down. We weren't even actualizing or or discovering what was there—87 times more than really exists than than what we saw. uh, Now that we found this Penn State study, which was obvious to all of us, now they're all in the hospitals, full to just compensate for regular care. They're all being tested. As we know, a certain amount, this proves our point. Widespread, less lethal. They have it. But then it creates a logistical problem because we, we still do treat it like the bubonic plague. So even if you're asymptomatic, mildly symptomatic, you need isolation in the hospital. And that's, that's really what they're dealing with. It's not a matter of acute respiratory stress syndrome. That's not what we're seeing like what we saw in New York. We are not, or, or even in small numbers in Florida and Texas during the peak, you're not really seeing that. And then you have the people that are symptomatic. And they get tested. They're 35. Holy hell, I got fever. Now, when, when's the last time you went to the hospital when you had fever? Never. You don't think you're going to die. But here, you can't blame people for coming in. They come in, and they put them under observation. But it's not the same story. And then there's the point that you know, these are places that literally, literally had less than the flu. It was a nothing. Yet, they still did have a shutdown. I mean, you look at the social mobility in Texas. It was just as down as anywhere else. I mean, all this talk, oh, they didn't have a lockdown. Yeah, they did. And, um, But nonetheless, they barely got it. So now they're getting it a little bit. So you put it all together, that's still a very good result. Except for the border, that does concern me. With us today is a redux of what we did a couple Fridays ago. Very special guest. Justin Hart, you got to follow him on Twitter. Our data guru, he's an information data architect uh, for business and tech firms. Um, he uses machine learning, artificial intelligence to help his clients. He worked on the Mitt Romney campaign, um, as a digital director, he lives in San Diego with his wife and tons of kids. San Diego is a big border perspective. Um, so we're going to get the story. We're going to get the truth. Justin, thanks for listening to the opening monologue. Thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, man, great to be with you today. Uh, You know, about 5.30 p.m., I make a point to go out to my front stoop and like some gumshoe reporter, I flag down my neighbor. He goes, he's an ER doctor, and he has the evening shift. So I usually know when he's pulling out of his driveway. And so I make a point just to flag him down and get an on-the-ground DL download on exactly what's happening, right? And here in San Diego, you called it uh, what he described to me over the past few weeks was that there were a a host of hospitalizations that were coming from expats who live across the border. That's very common down here in San Diego and also from other cases that we kindly as neighbors take in uh, that they couldn't handle. Just to give you like that comparison here in San Diego County, we have a population of 3.3 million people. We've had about, I think, 10,000 cases and about 320 deaths or so. And so it's been a mild impact for the pandemic down this way. South of us in Baja, California, I think it's officially called Baja, Mexico. I have to be politically correct, I think. But they have a population that is equal to ours, 3.3 million people on that small little peninsula off there. And what they have is 1500 deaths Wow. and so i think what that goes to show you is that a lot of this has to go with the health care that you're given and remember that's how this all started right a yep. global pandemic that was going to turn every hospital into a match unit and so yep. we all had to stay home to award against the excess deaths that's where you know if you're just joining sort of the team reality as i call it right and someone <laughs> puts it there versus Team Apocalypse, that's where it all started. Global pandemic, every hospital, a mass unit, stay home or we're all going to die. And uh, that turned out to be a very, very false proposition.
1: And and the sick irony is we're told to lock down in our own house, in our own state, in our own country, so as not to overwhelm the hospitals, yet they openly didn't lock down the border and directly brought them to the hospitals from another country. That flooded the hospital. So you talk about San Diego County. What I find is fascinating is to the east of you is Imperial County. San Diego, big county, little urban area, okay, and, and even there was mild, but Imperial, I mean, if you look epidemiologically everywhere in the country, rural, desert, open space, you're, you're not going to have too many problems there. And indeed, at the beginning, we didn't. But then there was a massive surge, and and here's the thing. There was one hospital in Imperial County that 60% of all beds were from recent, quote, recent arrivals um, from Mexico. That's uh, as of June 2nd. That was uh, from Kaiser Health News. And if you look at the Imperial County dashboard, there's a lot of cases where they don't know the ethnicity, but among those where the ethnicity is known, just 1.5% are non-Hispanic. And that's a dead giveaway. I mean, it's coming from the border. It it it's totally and 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 here's the thing. I want to make it clear. We're not saying oh Mexico is diseased and they're bringing it over more than us. It's that they were later in the epidemiological curve. So in March and April, Border Patrol tells me they had no problems with personnel too, with them catching it. They had no problems because you know it was an American problem. Mexico didn't really get it that much yet, and. The American Southwest didn't have it so bad from the American curve, so it was fine. It was in May when it started getting bad in Mexico, and it looks like it started more in Baja California in the west and then more recently in Tamaulipas to the east, which is why we're seeing it in Texas a little bit later than California had the flooding cross-border. They're telling me they got it. They got it from the ports of entry. They're seeing it from the illegals, and... I mean it's a dead giveaway but why aren't none of the politicians are talking about this? Well,
0: you look at I I look at uh, the Los Angeles Times made itself useful finally and put together a compilation of data sets that they've been keeping track of since I think the beginning of May or the end of April. It's been really valuable. One of those sets of data that they have is the ethnicity here in California of confirmed cases and I'm looking at the chart right now. We had in May, on the week of May 27, about 4,100 Latinos were admitted or uh, confirmed cases. And then all of a sudden, I can't even tell you this, this chart. It's like a massive jump. On June 10th, 10,000 10, Latinos were indicated as confirmed cases. Now, that was probably a dump of data. And, and again, things happen so quickly here that I can tell you my latest report from my neighbor is that the traffic across the border has abated. They have um, dealt with that in a a ready way. They've shipped some people up, for example, up to Orange County, and that crisis seems to be averted. And now we have this younger cohort of cases that is coming in. He uh, conceded to me he felt it was from these protests. We had some good protests down here in San Diego. But before everyone freaks out, because hospitalizations are increasing in California, are increasing in Arizona, are increasing in Texas. He told me, yeah, we had a 30% increase in hospitalizations, but he said, it's mostly in and out, right? They come in because it's a new cohort they haven't seen with these types of cases. It's mostly been an older demographic. Then they've been sort of very cautious and it's precautionary type of thing to say, let's get you in here, let's take a look. But he says, typically it's in and out. So that's the latest, right? And so by the time we're, we're complaining about Uh, You know, the issues that come from across the border, which the New York Times did an excellent piece, even conceding that that was the case. It's now gone and abated. Things move so quickly. And now I think the, the biggest story is the huge flux of cases that we're seeing in the younger age demographics. And in my book, that's a very, very good thing
1: and also aren't we seeing that qualitatively the viral loads are lower so doctors are reporting even among older patients it's just you know have you seen much evidence of this but what i would love to know is how many of these people are coming in that they damn can't breathe acute respiratory st- distress syndrome um that's the big thing we saw in march and april where in the areas it was serious how much of that are we seeing?
0: Well, you have to take sort of sample data, um, and some states are better at, uh, at data than others aren't uh, California, for example, gives me the uh, age and gives me the racial background, but not by county right and not by by time frame, whereas Florida gives me a lot of data so I'll give you an example I'm looking at the data right now and if uh, uh, in May uh, for the cohort or the age group of 35 to 44, there were about 3,700 logged cases that they were able to attribute to that age group. Okay. This month, 8,000 from the 15 to 24 year group. Last month, it was 2,500. This month, 10,000 confirmed cases. But here's the really interesting thing. Hospitalization rates for those groups are down. The death counts and CFRs are down. And the reason that is is this coincides directly with the CDC change in policy, all the states changed their policy. This didn't get a lot of news where you didn't have to have a symptom now to go get tested. So people started testing themselves and going into these uh, drive throughs A lot of testing was free. And on top of that, you had a new wave of people who were like, the state is reopening. I'm an admin, a front office worker at a dental office. I've got to get tested, right? Everyone in that community, everyone in food services, everyone in personal services had to get tested. And because we're finding those people now, and you've seen the testing is going through the roof. We, we know, in May, we were testing 200,000 people a day across the country. Today, we're testing 600,000 people a day. And the cases, as a total, haven't risen that much. There's been about 25 to 30,000 cases that we find today. And finding those cases is a really good thing. So to put it in perspective, and I, I wrote this on a blog today, or on, on, on Twitter today, which is, the, in May, the average age of someone who was getting coronavirus, who was getting the virus, was about 60 years old. And at that age bracket, a 60-year-old has, at that point, a 3.4% chance of dying. So that's the fatality rate, actually. So it was, it was pretty high back in March and April, for that age group, right? They're one of the higher risk ones, right? But that age, that average age of confirmed case has dropped 20 years. And the case fatality, the crude fatality rate for those folks is a 0.7. So that means it, in terms of the virus wanting to, let's say, kill as many people as it as as can, let's, let's, let's give it an evil persona, it has to work five times as hard to keep the death rate up to where it's going. And that's why it's the most amazing thing to see as cases go skyrocketing up, death counts start coming <laughs> down, and so do hospitalization rates in most of the country.
1: In most of the country. And again, the, the, the key here is the hospitalizations in Texas. We're trying to get a handle on it. And I think the some of the hospital officials actually put out stuff contradicting the media and the, and the governor there, that they're not having problems. And I think... The idea that they're not having problems is just that it's not a matter of like, you know, what they what, what we saw in New York City. Like, oh my gosh, this triage. It's just like, it's very controlled. It's like, hey, I came in with a broken uh, ankle. Oh, hey, look, you just tested positive. It's not that you know it's a problem for you but once you do test positive so then they have isolation issues and they do have to isolate you so that's where it just creates a little bit of a logistic thing we're just discovering discovering what was there i mean i was in maryland which you know it's not like new york but it was was somewhere in the middle it wasn't like the southern states and even there um we had our our kid born on april 11th and not only was I not tested, my wife wasn't tested. April eleventh in Maryland. Huh. I mean, as late as that, they still were not doing it. Um, they they weren't testing. It's just unless you had trouble breathing and whatever, uh, you had a severe case. That's that's what we tested. So my question to you is: Is there any data in any state to parse out, just like we had with the fatalities? How many are hospitalized with COVID, and how many are hospitalized because of COVID?
0: Well, first of all, congratulations! Welcome to that clip. <laughs> Fantastic! Excited to see it. I'm glad that that went well. Um, look, uh, there 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 are some data points out there, and we're going to get more of them going along the way. But it, it's going to be a timely issue. We're going to have to just be patient on that particular issue because. It's gonna be some, some painstaking work to go through all these factors here. I, I don't know of any data that can really help us parse it out. Ser- we first saw this issue on April 2nd. On April 2nd, New York City changed its data set and went to a GitHub publication, okay? Before they were just putting out PDFs. So they had some big data consultant probably come in and really help them get their results organized. And they have some of the best data now, right there in New York City. And they have a full GitHub where you can download all this cool stuff. And uh, one of the things that I noted is that there was a footnote, and it said, by the way, these hospitalization rates are based on not just confirmed cases, but suspected cases, right? We we suspect they are based on their symptoms. Because the the thing that, that triggered me was there was this column that was tracking hospitalizations, and the column title was Ever Hospitalized. I said, that's a weird way to put it? Wouldn't you just know that the person was hospitalized? Well, they went back months. So they were backlogging not only hospitalizations, but deaths based on symptoms for people that never had a test in their life, right? And, you know, we could probably attribute some nefarious or, or some uh, less than altruistic means because of the, the CARES money that might come in. But I think in general, I understand that's a pretty good policy, especially when you're in the middle of a pandemic. You want to get as many sort of understandings as to what's happening there. Because you can use that case information to say, hey, this 65-year-old had these symptoms and we treated it this way. We think that this COVID-confirmed case can be treated that same way. And maybe that person was COVID. So I'm going to attribute the best intentions to people there, but it's going to be time. I mean, we're just going to have to wait for those sort of deaths, those excess deaths to sort of pan out and try to understand exactly what happened because we we really don't know. All we do know is the pandemic they sold us to basically move from wash our hands to weld them inside their houses <laughs> was completely wrong. All those numbers were wrong. It was completely and really wrong, really, really and it bad. looks like
1: it's gotten even milder qualitatively. Like like this is the thing. They're freaking out as we're recording here midday um, Eastern time on Friday. The, the media is going nuts about Florida announced a nine almost nine thousand new coronavirus cases on Friday the most ever and they're going crazy over but like what what's fascinating is I'm old enough to remember not too long ago where we had this debate where you know like there was this Senate hearing Ron Johnson from Wisconsin uh, Senate Homeland Security Committee you had the of uh, Stanford guys, Dr. Atlas, Dr. Ianides, who are like, dude, this is so much more widespread than we're detecting. It's it's exponentially more, and therefore All you're just seeing is this part above the water is the deadly part. Every other part is not. So the IFR in totality is really much lower. It really does spread a lot like an upper respiratory or or, or a respiratory infection. Like the flu, it's going to be a lot of people, probably 40 to 60 million eventually will get it. Um, Sometimes more, that's the flu. And yeah, you you wind up dividing the deaths. It's going to be pretty close to... um, You know, if it's not a regular flu, it will be an epidemic flu like 2000 and 2018, uh, things like that. And you would never think twice about coming anywhere near the degree of panic that we did. So now they're finding what we said to be true. Oh, my God, everyone's got it. And we're like, yeah, but they're 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 cutting and pasting the panic of the IFR that they lied about from day one into the dynamic and the paradigm that we now know. And it's like everyone's going to die and they're not dying. Um, So is that what you're seeing in Florida? Do you have any concern that you are going to start seeing deaths in Florida?
0: Well, the the volume will get to a point where even that 0.7% fatality rate for 40-year-olds If that volume keeps increasing, then you will see a slight uptick in deaths. We'll just have to anticipate where things are going. But I'm looking at the numbers right now, and the average age keeps dropping. Right now, it's at 38. I just pulled up the last numbers while we were talking in Florida, and so those cases dropping, the younger those cases get, the 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 fewer risk there is for hospitalization. And like, and here's the trade-off, right? I made an assertion, and it blew people's minds. And I had to go back and just make sure that my gut check was right, and it was, which is to say that COVID will probably the, – the, the shutdown that we had from the pandemic will kill by suicide more high schoolers than it will ever kill this year from COVID, right? Mm. That, that's because the, we, we know that the chances of dying from COVID if you're under the age of 20 are basically the same chances of being hit by lightning. That's exactly. I mean, there, there are so few deaths under 20. It's amazing, right? And, and now that we know that, we have to open up schools and everything else. Everything. Think about it. There are about 3,000 to 5,000 suicides of high schoolers every year. A, it, it, there have been, I think, maybe 15 deaths of high schoolers from COVID, right? So a, a simple half percent increase in the number of suicides would completely eclipse the number of deaths of high schoolers from covid and so and, and that's a given in, in the first month in the first month of the shutdown in april i guarantee you more kids more high schoolers committed suicide than will ever die from covid this year and that is a very very sad sort of impact that we need to account for
1: what what i'm finding that team reality and all of us have a hard time dealing with is the other side created a perfect system of confirmation bias. So they they could bat zero. Like, no matter how bad things are for them and what they do, um, it's never a problem. Well, it would have been worse without the lockdown. And then no matter how good a result of an area that doesn't have a lockdown, anything that happens is not attributed to naturally you're going to get it. It's always because you didn't do enough of lockdown. So it's fascinating as you look at New York, And, you know, New York, New York's outcome is exactly what they accused us of doing without a lockdown to cut through an entire population to achieve herd immunity irresponsibly. That's actually what they did do, with, achieved, or at least with a lockdown, that it looks like they squeezed all the juice out of it. Yeah, you're not going to have too many cases there left. They probably have pretty much de facto herd immunity, meaning it's not like it can't linger, but you broke the back of it. You're not going to have a surge there. Um, it got who it's going to get, but at a, an extremely painful cost with a lockdown. So you look at the deaths, and every single New York City borough, had more deaths than the entire state of Florida of 21.5 million. It's more than the state of, of uh, New York. And Florida has 4.4 million people above the age of 65. Queens has just 322,000. OK? 13 times fewer people under the age of, of, uh, over the age of 65 as Florida, the entire state, yet nearly three times as many deaths. That, that was the case when I checked the numbers a few weeks ago. So even if Florida, just simply because they didn't really get it yet, they, they were below the flu season levels, if, they, if the worst that comes out of this is that they get another hit that is milder, maybe some more deaths, there is that is a flat curve. That's what we all strive for, a longer, drawn-out, milder thing that will have on net much fewer deaths and New York was an insane curve, and the media is making it like New York is awesome, and Florida is is, is a hellhole. I have, yeah, I have look, a lot look, of trouble um, pushing back against that. It's difficult. Look, uh, New
0: York City is as far away from San Francisco as Moscow is from Gibraltar. Okay, <laughs> and, and so one of the problems that you see when people compare, well, the U.S. is doing really poorly compared to other countries. It's like, well. The U.S. is a big country, right? It's not just like the, the virus infected all our currency and we all share it, right? I, I You know, some of the best ideas I get from my readers, uh, one great, fantastic guy who's a, a really good at watching this stuff down in Louisiana, Jonathan Guy, he said, I want you to make me a map. I'm like, okay. I, I do bubbles and charts. He says, make me a map. And I want you to show, like, here the 100-mile the counties, 44, 45 counties around uh, 100 miles from New York City and then go out there in bursts, right? And sure enough, the 45 counties that are right there within New York City make up almost half of all the deaths in the country, right? And their death rate per 100,000 in those counties is about 170 deaths per 100,000. For anyone that lives 750 miles away from New York, which is most of the country, about 165 million people in 1,000 counties in 20 states, their death rate is 17, 10 times lower than New York City. And so if you're talking about how we're doing, it depends where you put a push pin on the map. For most, for most I, I did this math the other day, for about 500 counties still in the United States, you have a better chance of being murdered than dying of COVID, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's how low it is in some of these places. And so, you know, when people say, wow, how did the pandemic affect you? Well, the shutdown affected everyone about the same in many ways, but the pandemic itself was very differing. Now, it may be, and you've alluded to it here, and we have to kind of prepare ourselves on, on all teams here, that the cases are just going to be what they are, and everyone is going to get to about what they say, maybe 1,000 cases per 100,000, or I think it's 1,000 per yeah. million, I can't remember. Yeah. But that's, that's basically where I think things are headed. But the, the yep. what it looks appears to happen is that the viral load, as you said, is going down. Is going and down. And more importantly, I talked to my doctor friend. The treatments are better, right? Where we're able to, yeah. to to deal with this a lot more effectively. So this is not
1: New York City everywhere. See, this is the thing. The pen. What was very fascinating about the Penn State study is, you know, they showed that. Already 8.7 million people likely had it in March, you know, 87 times more than what we detected. But in the supplemental data, they broke down all 50 states. And it was fascinating. You look at New York was the top. It already had a 9% prevalence. And that's the state. The city was probably, you know, double that at that point. Um, Whereas you look at like Florida, Arizona, and Arkansas, it was like nowhere. It was less than one. It was like a half a percent prevalence so, I mean, it makes sense. Like you said, it's a big country. It's gonna, it's not going to be the same epidemiological curve as, as, like, Denmark is one thing, Israel is one thing, you know, um, like one state. And it could be that there's just more juice to squeeze out. They're a victim of their own success. But they panicked as if they had it bad. I mean, again, the governor of Florida did a good job, didn't do so draconian, but the mobility was way down. The economy was wrecked. I mean, not as bad as New York, but not as good as as like Nebraska and the Dakotas. They, they did kind of shut down for a period of time and it was over nothing. They didn't get anything, but the panic was as if they did. So it's now like, oh, we got a double hit, but it's like, no, re- you never even really got much of a first hit. And the second hit is not New York. It's, it's, um, it's not even your first hit. It's a milder version. And that's the thing. But there's one thing that is disturbing me and, and getting back to the border. I'm hoping what you're seeing from California will pro- prove true in Texas that it was a delayed reaction in, in the media, even from people like me focusing on the border. It really happened a few weeks earlier um, throughout May with the hospital thing. Hopefully, that's dying down. Hopefully, it wasn't nosocomial spread or community spread. And it's just those people who died that were actualized in the numbers in Yuma and Imperial and San Diego and 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 then now in the RGV. But my I I am concerned with the amount of people were waving over the border during Mexico's peak. That we're gonna see this everywhere. So here's let me let me just share you some data, and I wanna get your comment on what data you're seeing. So you look at I don't have archived data, but I do know in my brain, everywhere I looked throughout the earlier peak, it was a clear racial breakdown that had the same story. Asians were way down, probably because of this partial cross immunity, that they're more prone to coronaviruses. Whites on top of that, then Hispanic, and then Blacks clearly... Took the top slot in terms of being the most vulnerable. Hispanics were more than whites, but not as much as blacks. Now, almost everywhere, you are seeing like a blowout where Hispanics are overtaking blacks. In Florida, they're now um, responsible for 46% of all cases statewide, but you look in the Carolinas also way beyond their share of the population. And I know May and June is where the picking season really starts. A lot of them come over the border to join that. Um, I'm wondering what you're seeing in the racial demographic breakdown, because correct me if I'm wrong. Racial genetics should be pretty static. In other words, if you have a certain risk assessment, that should stay true during the entire epidemic. The fact that it's changing, I really wonder if that's a geographic thing and that we imported Mexico's later hit.
0: Yeah, you know, there have been some comments uh, by some virologists that I trust that uh, there are some differences, for example, in skin pigmentation that can lead to differences in the virus reaction towards races, Um, whether it's, you know, uh, vitamin D accrual and everything else there. Uh, That's beyond my pay grade. I don't know what to say about that. But the numbers tell me this. If I look at California, which is actually really good at keeping at least a a total number of uh, the the racial and age breakdowns, right? At the top, most riskiest part of the spectrum there, you have uh, 80-plus-year-olds there. And that's still majority white as far as deaths go, 42%. But that may just be a demographic shift. California 20 years ago was mostly white, and now it's mostly not white. And but but if you go into the lower lower
1: life expectancy, right? I mean, in general, correct,
0: correct. And then Latinos there make up a big portion of the next two brackets um, by a a large measure. There, Uh, I think they account for about thirty-four percent or plus. uh, Maybe it's higher. Maybe it's forty-three of the U.S. of the California population, and they're making up, I see, in the fifty age bracket. 61% of all the deaths there. Now, that may be because of uh, higher load factors that we get in uh, in, in indoor arenas, for example. Uh, We know that there probably is some type of correlation. Uh, We saw this in New York, where you have a a lot of um, cohabitation in smaller locations, which means that there's more room for transmission over longer periods of time and perhaps larger viral loads. I don't know. Um, and again, you know, we, we don't have uh, the citizenship breakdown of any of this. And so it's really, really difficult to understand exactly what we're seeing. But as I bring my slider and my chart to the left and look at May, you can see that Latino group is growing dramatically as you get mm. June.
1: You, you need you need to produce that. You, you should publish that on your Twitter account. And by the way, folks, you, you could follow him at Justin underscore Hart, H-A-R-T. It's a must-follow, the best, coolest uh, uh, graphics that you're you going to find on this. Um, yeah, I'd love to see you put that out, because that does scare me, if I'm seeing a trend. Because, you know, I'm not so much of a data guy. Um, I'm new to scientific stuff, you know, with this. But I am a border guy and an immigration guy. And I'm very familiar with the amalgamation of factors of what happens, and that's really when i start seeing that that really wow that that does um, scare me because i know i know the you know the florida governor does believe that the migrant workers are responsible for transferring across florida and alabama a lot of them go from one to another different fields different companies sure. agri processors and it's just terrible conditions i mean look this gets back to the whole slave labor you know a lot of the people that want illegal immigration and they're like oh right. i'm such a good person they actually treat them horribly um and that's part, that that's the point you know they were accusing the governor of being racist when he talked about a predominantly hispanic being affected but he meant to say like we're mistreating them and this is one, one yeah, of the I mean, places look, that, where we see that that's the
0: hypocrisy of this whole thing look the same group that told you that every hospital would turn into a mass unit is the same group that believes that we have the worst healthcare system in the world, right? Now we have a health financial system. We have a health insurance problem, right, in the United States. And we can talk about what the causes of that. But sure. I think our healthcare workers have demonstrated that they are the best, right? And I'm very proud of the fact that we have, in some cases here in San Diego, especially, capacity to take from our friends to the south, and help them out when it matters, right? But the impact is for the the shadow sort of workforce that's there, right? And the impact that it has is dramatic. And the fact that we don't track any of that is even more. It just complicates things very prominently. And then you add into the the hypocrisy of well, you know, if you're protesting for this thing, uh, you'll be uh, you'll be less susceptible than if you're protesting for this thing. Now, personally, I don't think that a big portion of the infections came from the protests yep. because mostly they're outdoors. Yep. I can see, for example, the, the, the Floyd funeral might've had a huge impact because it was indoors. Yes, but yes. You know, again, all this is so young. We're all making guesswork. All we can do is sort of uh, see stuff at the end. The biggest problem we have, and I wrote this in March of uh, March 12th, I wrote an article called the Coronavirus dashboards will kill us all right long before the virus ever will. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the reason why is that we're, We're all used to, you know, overnight uh, poll results and overnight vote counts, right? And and when we force, for example, a domain like virology and epidemiology, who are used to working in years as far as data normalization, right? The CDC says, don't trust our numbers for two years. And now we're expecting them to sort of hop to it and report to us overnight what's happening. Don't be surprised if we see hanging chads and Broward County baskets of (laughs) of <laughs> vote coming at the last minute the equivalent there so
1: yeah no i mean that that's the thing it's just like and they throw out everything they know the cdc always said once you reach 1% prevalence it, mitigation efforts don't help and 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 they still don't learn that there's so much we got to uh, uh shut down uh, shut what down i mean shut what it doesn't make any sense um this is what we see the horse is long left the barn and one of the things i'm finding shocking And I'm wondering what your theory is on this. That typically, however nutty we are, the Europeans are even nuttier. Yet when it comes to this, you're seeing an amazing degree of humility on the part of their health chiefs. In a lot of these countries, they're like, truth be told, a lot of this is luck. It's factors that are beyond us. We're not doing this again. It was wrong to shut the schools. Um, You see that Toronto just came out that it's child abuse to, to make kids wear a mask, yet we're having in California, Connecticut, Fairfax County, Virginia, I'm sure many others, those are just the ones I saw, are now saying to go back to school, they're going to put diapers on the kid's face. I mean, what, what's, what accounts for that, that we're nuttier than Europe?
0: You know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, we've come to realize that everything happens down on the local level, right? I always talk about how people are talking about state results I say go deep, right? The New York Times made themselves useful and has put out a regular daily database on county-level cases and deaths. That's where the magic is happening, right? And this is another reason why I know that uh, you know this thing is waning out. Back to that in a minute. But here's what's happening on that issue. My local health director, for example, here who is an unelected official gets paid, I think, $300,000 a year or more. She basically just takes whatever sort of feed that she gets from IHME, that worst report ever, and tries to apply it here in San Diego. And, and it's completely inept. It's all inept. And so I think what we realize is that our local leaders have a lot of control over our lives and we need to put pressure on them to put pressure on the gov to change things, right? Yes. And unfortunately, President Trump kind of let this Maratruska ball doll out of its, <laughs> its box, right? He, he, he sort of opened up that open shell of the, the, the Russian doll, right? And inside was Dr. Fauci and Dr. Fauci opened it up. And now we have, you know, terrible, vindictive governors. And the governors opened it up and then we find county supervisors. The county supervisors let leash these completely stupid health directors and the health directors set loose an army of Karens. And the army of Karens is what we're realizing now. So I think th- that sort of fear factor has been just built up. And the media, frankly, pushed that uh, to its nth degree. To that point, I may just tangentially there. Here's another example of how I know this is waning. In about May, there are about 2,100, you know, there are 3,143 counties in the United States. I think I have the number mostly right. And of that, about 2,100 counties were reporting deaths almost every other day or so uh, come, uh, maybe every three days, one or two deaths. Uh, over the course of a few weeks there, right? Now, the number of counties that are uh, presenting zero deaths is up to about 2,900 or so, right? And, and so we know that uh, just like, for example, you might gauge a tsunami by having these sort of warning buoys out in the water. We have 3,100 warning buoys and about 2,000 plus of them are silent now. And that's how I know that the virus is waning down.
1: And and again, extremely disproportionate at the border. but uh, just I, I want to come back to the beginning of the show. Are you telling our audience and, and you live in, in in that area in San Diego? are you telling our audience that the surge from the border that caused the spike in some serious cases in hospitals is more actually on the down, at least on the California side, even though a lot of us are only discovering it recently?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think what I would say is new admissions are down, right? You have to remember that okay. a lot of these folks uh, that came in June are probably still in the hospital, right? And, yeah. and so the, the the idea of the influx is probably down is what I'm hearing. But, you know, well, again, we're going to see hospitalizations rise and people might stay longer. Uh, but I think in general, we're going to see is uh, a, a big influx of changes in hospitalizations as the uh, – as the, the weeks wane on and we have, for example, a large cohort of younger people who are just popping into the ER and they say, let's keep you overnight for observation. And then they're let loose the next day. Now, I, I want to warn, I could be wrong on all this. We could see another wave. We could see things here. I think what I've determined is this virus is going to do what it's going to do. And there's no way you can stop it. Staying home isn't going to stop it necessarily. Uh, uh, even the, you know, the, the flatten the curve, admitted. The deaths are going to be what the deaths are going to be. You can only slow it down or do something. And, and, but the question is, did we shoot our silver blow bullet? It, it? Did we blow our wad? Did we break that glass and pull that final sort of emergency act out for a pandemic that essentially is slightly worse than the, you know, the worst influenza season that we've seen? If that's yes. the case, that's a really sad artifact. Because when a true virus comes, there's kind of a cry wolf factor, at yep. least with me. I know for sure I'm not going to allow someone to shut me down anymore.
1: That is that is insane. Well, I don't know. I think our people will allow us um, to, uh, to to do anything. I mean, I don't, I don't know. People are just so submissive to this. Um, what are you seeing in terms of the census of the hospital? You mentioned a minute ago, Duration Do you have good data on showing short durations, which would really um, lend credence to what we're saying? That it's not the people coming in like, Oh my gosh, I can't breathe, like we saw before. It's the people coming in that are younger, they might be the small percent, because most are asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic, but they have the flu. I mean, they got fever, they're coughing, and then, they, Oh my gosh, I tested positive. You would never think of going to the hospital for fever if you're healthy, but, you know, I can't blame people. They're, they're scared. You test positive and, and and you do have some symptoms, but it's not that they're having trouble breathing. Are we seeing that in the data? Are we seeing that duration? You know, they're just uh, maybe hold them for observation. That's it. Yeah. You know,
0: some, we were talking yesterday, uh, Sweden, or I think it was some uh, European country had a great chart and said, uh, here are our serious cases, our mild cases, and our moderate cases, right? Uh, we, we don't have that kind of uniformity here in the United States. We have all sorts of different hospitals, right? And that's one of the reasons why we have data lag, because you've got municipal, religious, county hospitals, public hospitals, private hospitals, right? And that's what makes our healthcare system so great, is that it's so broad, right? Uh, but the, the problem is we can, only hint, we can only find hints at it. So I'll give you a hint, for example. Here in California... Uh, The state has tracked um, both positive cases, that is, patients that are in hospital beds that have confirmed COVID tests, and then they have suspected cases. I alluded to that earlier in New York City, which is, we think this person is in the hospital and is here with COVID, but the tests we have have not come back positive, or we haven't gotten them back yet, or we need to do something else, right? And and what's happened is those those suspected cases were as high as like 25% of all the hospitalizations. Now those are coming down, right? And what happens is you see this little flux and flow. Now, the only numbers that get reported on the dashboards are the positive cases and the positive ICU cases. But there's a whole other stack of suspected hospital regular beds and suspected ICU bed patients. And those sort of ebb and flow. So in Orange County, for example, the other day, there was a big concern because all of a sudden the positive cases bumped up to 20. Well, guess what? The suspected cases went down by 20. <laughs> and so you, you you see this sort of ebb and trend where you can say, well, I, I think what we're seeing are people coming in and out quicker into the system, but I don't have any hard data on that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it just the bottom line is that they sucked us in to this whole thing under a premise that they never would have been able to initiate it based off of an IFR like this. But once they got us, what's scary is the threshold is so low because if we don't see a significant bump in deaths, which it's been a while and we haven't, that would mean that the IFR now is really low. I mean, our, our buddy there, uh, Ethical Skeptic, this guy on Twitter, it's just a, you know brilliant stuff he puts out, he estimates it now at a quarter of 0.1, And wouldn't that mean, and let me know what you're seeing from CDC, isn't it true that if you look at the excess deaths at CDC, you're almost seeing it on par, like where there's very few excess deaths in June, where it's not much of an epidemic anymore?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You see by the numbers, everything is waning down. Now, there will be some hotspots. Will those hotspots then push us over the edge? I don't think so. I think you're going to see Arizona. I, th- I think Florida's fine. I think uh, we're going to see those cases. We'll see how that pans out. Texas may have some issues in a couple of hot spots, but it's just like if we have an influenza. Uh, a thousand people died in Missouri, okay? Not from COVID, but from influenza this season, okay? A thousand people died, and that, that was bigger than they've had in years. So these, yeah. these hot spots pop up from time to time. And you can see them ebb and flow over uh, the course of the time. And so, boy, this is, this is really tough. I'll tell you why it's really tough is because the, the, uh, you know, the press has this on template, right? Yeah. And yeah. They, just, they just go with it. There was that little game that was being played online, right? And it shows you how it's difficult to both convince the press who are dumb and even convince people who are smart on the conservative side or otherwise, that the panic is just panic porn and you shouldn't worry because numbers are really tough at this level because it requires a funnel thinking. So for Mm. example, there was a game that was going around conservatives. It implied some type of conspiracy where you could type in three numbers, any three numbers and Google the word new cases, right? So 323 new cases, 467 new cases, 923 new cases and an article will pop up. And sure enough, if you do that, every single number from 100 to 900, and in fact, 1,000 on up to about 2020, 2020, will have some case there. But when I explain to them how that works, for example, there are 3,000 counties. All the reporting happens at the county level. There have been 120 days plus of COVID. There's three or four different news outlets for every town three or different dashboards, we're already up to a million possibilities of hitting just one of the 900 numbers between 100 and 999. And, right?
1: and that's the thing. Had they shown us this vision three months ago, no one would think anything of it. But once they got us into this, part of the problem is the biggest confirmation that this is you know, just insane and, and, and really dangerous is that we shut down the world for it. Meaning it, it, it's self-fulfilling. If I go berserk over something, I mean, yeah, there's got to be something to it. They can't be that insidious. They actually are, but they did it. Well, kids are in danger. Well, no, I mean, it, it's incontrovertible. They're not, but we shut down the schools, right? That That's confirmation of it. And that's the beauty of what they do. So now that they got that threshold, so all they need is there's some more cases. And even though it proves our point, like there's always going to be cases lingering for a little while Um, But it's really not that deadly, and you got to learn to live with it. They already have us sucked in. They already have us sucked in, and that's going to be our challenge. By the way, it's just coming out now. Um, Our buddies on Twitter are putting this out. Um, There are no excess deaths. Ethical Skeptic put out another chart. We're basically at par. We're basically at par with where we should be now. Um, Again, it might go up, but as of now – Um, that is, it's literally nothing because a lot of it is backlogged. A lot of it is BS, um, you know, died with like, you know, George Floyd died of COVID. I mean, that type of thing. Um, and you know, it's data gimmicks, it's data dumps. Um, it's just straight up lies. This is
0: difficult stuff. Yeah. I I, look, I'm not a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist, but I'm a very good, what I call funnel surgeon. And, And, and I, I look at data in very specific ways and I knew something was hinky from the start. Now, I wouldn't necessarily play Monday morning cargo backing and try to insert myself into this domain. But frankly, the virology and epidemiology seems to insert itself into my life a lot these days. So I'm going to (laughs) push back and say, this has an effect on me. So I want to know the numbers. And look, your numbers are wrong. And and I think what we're going to find is more and more, we have to just simplify this. Uh, And and it's funny how people get involved. I'm, I'm (laughs) <laughs> of all ages, of all types, because it impacts their life. Uh, I was just tweeting with Scott, uh, Scott Adams, who, uh, who just retweeted uh, my graph this morning on the Florida cases and the 60-year-olds versus 40-year-olds. And then yesterday, I was tweeting back and forth or the other day with Michael Levitt, the Nobel laureate. The day before that, Larry the Cable Guy reached out to me on Twitter and said, can you help me on a graph? And so it's the funniest sort of spectrum of people but it just goes to show you when you touch people's life with your domain. Don't be surprised when they push back. Want to know the numbers and maybe find some errors in your work,
1: folks. There you have it. If if you have questions, you know I'm going to flood your account now. Go to uh, Justin Hart, Justin underscore H A R T, and uh, drop him a note. Drop them a note, and uh, if you have a question, a specific question about a certain state, certain things they're seeing, because people are very confused, and rightfully so. And and the problem is, it takes us a couple days, sometimes a couple weeks, to put out the fire. You know, they really built something up in March. It took into well into April before I think we really got the IFR right, and we said you know, and people understood it. But it looked pretty bad at the time, in a superficial level. And I think we're seeing this play out again, and and uh, and that's the. Sad thing. We know we're going to be proven right, but it takes time. And by the time it's done, they already the damage is done. They get their policies, and they're on to the next thing. They're on to the next thing. You know, they had the riots, and then after that was kind of, you know, they they milked that. They're back to this, and then they'll be back to the next thing. And um, we just need more of you, Justin. That's that's the bottom line. So uh, thanks. Wait, wait,
0: so, yeah. Yep, you're putting out the good word. We we need to get the word out there. Just be brave, folks. We got this. Okay.
1: Yep, we do got it. There you go, folks. I got to run. Um, got to gotta get back to work. Have a terrific weekend. Remember, pass the show around to 50 of your friends, relatives, um, neighbors. Make sure they hear the other side of the story because knowledge is power. And lack of knowledge gives the power to the bad guys. And we cannot allow that to happen. Take care. Have a terrific weekend.